1: Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Time now for the College Football Inquirer with Dan Wetzel. Brian Kelly is a goldmine for Notre Dame. Notre Dame fans hate Brian Kelly. Brian Kelly got your program to the level that made them have the power right now that they are set up forever. SI's
0: Russ Gellinger. This team and that team want to get to the SEC, want to get to the Big Ten. Why would you do that now? And SI's
2: Pat 40 We're going to throw a pitch down here at the goal line, and we're going to drop it, and we're going to give you that chance, and then we're going to go into a ruinous prevent defense and just let you go bip, 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 bip right down the field. Here's
1: Pat, Russ, and Dan. All right, welcome to the pod. Heading into week 2 and week 1 was everything we could have hoped it would be. Pretty
2: much. Yeah. Yeah. A little bit of a little bit of a dud Monday nighter, but otherwise,
1: good lord. Yeah, we got a maybe quarterback controversy at Clemson. Yeah. That's always fun. Yeah. Yep. William Christopher put on the hot seat. <laughs> the LSU game, FSU game was absolute mayhem. We'll get to all of that stuff. I just thought there was enough action all over the country, chaos, people feeling good, people fe- feeling bad. That it's it, it's sort of uh, the season is starting with a pop.
2: Yes, it's re-
1: it's a reminder of ex- everything that's great about college football, right? Right. Pretty much that FSU LSU game where both teams could very easily end up six and six. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, but it was a guy. It was just unbelievable. Yeah. So. But I, I want to get in before we do that and get to week two. We want to get to the uh, the college football playoff expansion. It, it's literally the biggest thing for the in, in totality of the sport that has been decided in many, many, many years. Even more than the four-team playoff. Oh, yeah. And, of course, as we made fun of last time, they released it on a Friday afternoon. Holiday <laughs> so weekend before it. week one. <laughs> Nobody talked about
2: it. <laughs> it's like everybody's heading off to you know you're going to the beach, you're going to a you know cabin or something. you're going to a happy hour, you're going to a football game I
1: was looking up like what they did what?
2: oh, oh wow, okay,
1: like when yeah, yeah, we don't even know when no, either. No, no, no no Mississippi state president Mark Keenum is the is the hero here for college college sports, and it's college sports. It's not just football because I think this has a wide ranging implications but he pushed that thing through got it done and uh everyone's got to get together now Thursday out in uh Texas uh what, what what's that thing the corn the corn what do they got yeah, the, they, the
2: jalapeno cream
1: corn absolutely <laughs> the jalapeno <laughs> cream corn down at that uh yeah, what's the, the name the of the gaylord, hotel that, you know yeah that, that the gaylord hotel yeah, yeah right and they're going to get their their cream corn and they're going to set this thing out can they do it by 2024 i don't know can they do it by 2026 yes they're going to so, uh, huge deal is it? Basic parameters: twelve teams, six automatic bids, the six highest-rated conference champions. This is massive. Big Twelve, Pac Twelve. You, your champion is getting in pretty much, uh, as well as ACC and then SEC and Big Ten. We always just—they're almost impossible to assume how they wouldn't. Also huge for the group of five. Somebody else is getting in with an automatic bid. Your Mountain West, your AAC, your Sunbelt, you have viability. It it gives a dream moonshot chance to your Coastal Carolinas and obviously your Boise States and Fresno's and all of those things. The Mac, your your great Mac team, whatever. Everyone's got at least a, a, a wing and a prayer now. This is the only sport I ever heard of where essentially you started the season saying I could win every single game yep. and not win the
0: championship. Mm-hmm. Yep.
1: Not even play for the championship. yeah, Not even be considered.
0: Ask UCF, not even be considered. right? Ask UCF. Heck, go back 15, 18 years, ask Auburn. Uh, so it wasn't just Group of Five teams that obviously have been left out, but talking about some major conference teams, it's crazy to actually think about that Auburn team. <laughs> Somebody undefeated in the SEC was left out, left out yeah. of the of the the championship event. Uh, it's it's incredible to think about, but it's it's exciting. It really is.
1: Everyone's got a prayer. Six automatic bids. They will rank them, seed them the same way with the committee. We got to get our committee down there. Got to get our show.
0: (laughs) Um, I like how they pointed out in the release of the particulars, right? It's like, we're still doing a committee. We're still doing a show. (laughs) Just, it's okay. It's not going away. It's not going away. It's okay. It's like, great, wonderful, you know.
2: Tuesday night with some overmatched administrator still coming to TVs near you.
0: Just stupid. Explaining
1: why. And it won't even, it matters even less now. Yes, it
0: does. Right. Yep, they're
1: gonna get tort. Why the hell is <laughs> Pit Eight and Ole Miss Seven? That's absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> doesn't matter, man. Actually, that one would because well, I guess they would both host eight um, and nine. But yeah, eight and nine that would matter. That would matter. That one would matter. Yeah,
0: that Not would be the would only matter. one. It doesn't that matter. It's, Four it's, and five and eight and nine. But anyway,
1: these guys love committees. They love having committees. They love sitting. Fine, have your committee. 12 teams, one, two, three, and four, have to be conference champions. Notre Dame or any other independent cannot be one of the top four seeds. A little clunky, but who cares? They get a bye. Five, six, seven, and eight host first round playoff game. Going to be phenomenal. They host nine, 10, 11, and 12. That first weekend will be great. Four great games on campus. The winners of those then play one, two, three, four. Now that I, I I like this plan. I like twelve better than sixteen, which I once proposed and was deemed crazy for anything <laughs> anything more than two teams could be in a in a playoff. Yes, totally crazy. I could I could spend this whole podcast uh, reading through <laughs> quotes that are absolutely bananas. But this is better. First off, there aren't there aren't as many good leagues. I think we've discussed that before. There used to be the whack used to be good. The I mean, there used to be a lot of good leagues. Now there really aren't. There's, it's barely five good ones. But you also avoid the, you know, eight and four Kent State team having to go play Alabama and get just mauled. So your your top four teams are going to play someone legit in that second round. Second round games are going to be at a new at a bowl site. None of us like that, but. Again, I, I we can discuss that in a second. I've got some clarity on why. I talked to a whole bunch of people the last two days. Clarity on why the Bulls survive. Uh, And then we go. We play through the Bulls. The season's going to get extended deeper into January, uh, which will be tricky because the NFL playoffs always suck up a lot of attention. But I think the a college football playoff will create way more interest as this builds through the rounds. And you'll have a neutral site championship game. So final three rounds neutral site. Um anything I'm missing here other than multiple TV networks will be on that. That was always the plan and there's going to be way more money. Maybe 1.2 to 1.5 billion this thing could be worth per year. Yeah. Uh is what I'm hearing, it was 600 million right now. So you're talking uh you know 100 and 125 to 150% uh increase which will I mean, for for major team, you know, if you're the SEC, and again, a bunch of if they do this with like shares, yeah, it could be fifteen, eighteen million more per team.
0: Yeah, and I would expect so, that. a
1: Lot of money on the table.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. What am I missing, Ross? Not much, man. You you covered it all. It's uh, I think the next step right is how can this be implemented early, and they'll get started on that. You know, this week, uh, how can you implement in 2024? Or 2025. Uh, It's going to be difficult uh, and they have only themselves to blame, right? Shocking. Uh, But in February or last fall, had they made this decision, since it was a proposal introduced 15 months ago, uh, had they made the decision in February or last fall, they would have probably almost certainly been able to expand by 2024, uh, certainly 2025. And now they've wasted basically six to eight months. They've delayed it so much. And now it makes it difficult to implement on that first year. I, it, it, I still think it's doable. I was talking to Bob Bowlesby, former Big 12 commissioner, who now is retired and he's just shooting from the hip. Uh, and he's just like, you know, it's, it's not insurmountable, uh, but it's going to be difficult. And here's why. And uh, tomorrow, I'll, I actually will we'll have a story kind of laying out all the issues that they'll have to kind of resolve. And that starts this week. That starts on Thursday when they meet, when they meet in Dallas.
2: When they, had, they they began the cream corn festival there to, to, to figure this out. Yeah, no, I think uh, you covered most of it, Dan. A couple other things, a couple other ancillary benefits of this. People hate when star players opt out of bowl games. I think you're going to see less of that. You got more important games to play. Kenny Pickett would have played in the postseason for Pittsburgh last year as opposed to opting out of the Peach Bowl because Pittsburgh would have been in the playoff. He would have played. Uh, same with Kenneth Walker III if uh, Michigan State had, had made their, uh, uh, the, the playoff and, and so on and so forth. I think, I hope, other than Brian Kelly, this would slow down the exodus of coaches bailing on their teams at the end of the season. If you're making the playoff, you're going to stick with that team, right? And so maybe the whole coaching carousel slows down. Maybe this gets to what you have talked about several times, Dan, is pushing back the December signing day, changes, change the calendar so that everything isn't piling up on top of itself in December and in January and screwing all this up as far as having a good, you know, clean, maximum contested, maximum interest postseason, which, I, you know, I just think that everything will be amplified towards that and will improve, you know, over this just you know, hodgepodge of half-assed bowls that surround a four-team playoff. So, also, hey, the the benefit of of getting into a conference, I, I, I have hated the conference championship games. I think for the most part, we all have. They really haven't served a very good purpose other than making a lot of money for the for the conferences. But now, you know, if you're Iowa in that conference championship game last year, win and you're in. I mean, you're going to the playoff. You could you pull an upset there, that game suddenly, woo, that takes on an added freight. And so, maybe get a buy. Uh, yeah, right. Yeah, absolutely. So if you've had a disappointing season, but you win your division, or even if we get we may end up getting rid of divisions. I think we're we're well on the way towards that happening. But still, if yeah. you are an underdog in a conference championship, you got something more to play for than just, oh well, you know, we're 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 headed to the to the Alamo Bowl no matter what here. Uh, so I hope we don't get trucked. But now, no, you're playing for a chance to go to the playoffs. So all in all,
1: a wonderful development. Another – I think even more – Just quickly, Ross, like it, it increases the interest in other championship games you may not care about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. That Pac-12 yep. championship game is not inspired. Like everyone – Look, last year Georgia and Alabama were both getting in. You watched because it was going to be a great game, but in in the end it didn't matter. There was no stakes to it at all because of the way the playoffs set up. You don't even get home field advantage or anything. And they rematch in a month and whatever. But you watch because it was a great game. But how excited were you for a Pac-12 championship game? Well, You know, an AAC championship game. Uh, I guess last year there was some interest. But, you know, every championship game now is a play-in game. Yep. So you, you as much as this is a 12-team playoff, this is actually like a 30-team playoff. Mm-hmm. Yep.
0: Yep. They're all playoff games now, right? They, they, they are. It's, it's, it's great. Yeah, go ahead, Pat. Yeah.
2: No, you were you were getting ready to say something, Ross. Anyway.
0: Well, I I think uh, one of the other benefits of this is the realignment issue. You know, um, if you are, uh, yeah, if you are in the the pack twelve, say you're Washington or Oregon right now, right? We all know that there's some talk about them going to the Big Ten. You are at the top of your conference, especially, you know, USC leaving, Uh, revenue-wise and history of success, you're at the top of your league. And if you win that league, you get an automatic bid into the playoff, probably, almost certainly, unless you have like four or five losses. So why would you go to the Big Ten, where you're going to be maybe in the middle of the pack, at best, probably in the middle of the pack? Uh, uh, So I, I wonder if this slows... Things down a little bit, and in also the the you know the the Pac-12 South, you know the Arizonas and the Colorados and stuff. Utah's being rumored to go to the Big Twelve. Why would you leave a league with just ten members for a league that would would be like fourteen or one year, maybe sixteen eventually sixteen. You know why would you leave that? Your chances are greater in making the playoffs. Now I think the big the big answer to that is money. You leave for money, but you're going to get more money when you make the playoffs because there's going to be a performance-based revenue distribution. Uh, that that's that's going to be a thing, you know, and that that's coming. So it's going to be interesting to see how realignment, in, even from the group of five level, right? I mean, at least there is an access to them. Um, you know, I think maybe two out of the last ten years, two group of five champions would have gotten in the playoff uh, uh, over the Pac-12 champion, I think. So there, there's a path there uh, for you as well now.
1: Yeah, so I, I agree with that on a couple fronts. I think this will slow it. Obviously, if you can move to much more money, it's hard to turn down. But I would say if you are Oregon, if you are Washington, and yeah, you're not going to have as much money as as you would in the Big Ten, but you got a chance to win, and that creates money, that creates excitement. The, what the, what was the you have boosters? You had these places are wealthy, you can make up for it, especially if you're winning. What did we talk about with Oregon? What's the big deal? Can they still be able to go out and get like a Dante Moore, five star quarterback from Detroit to come play there? even though the Pac-12 isn't what it was? Well, yeah, if you still have access to the playoff. Gonzaga recruits, Gonzaga basketball recruits a lottery pick every year because they have access to the Final Four. And they're not anywhere near a big-time league. So all kids really want is, do you have all the stuff, the coaching, get me the league? And yeah, I'm not going somewhere I can't play for the title, at least conceptually. But now you've got a real chance. And the more you win, the more money there is. There were schools that took more money in this in this realignment over the last couple of decades that have become suffered greatly, even though they have more money. Boston College used to have a really viable athletic department. They had a really good basketball program that would make sweet 16s and final eights. They'd have played big games. Their football team often was, was good. They'd win a lot of games. They're completely irrelevant now. They have more money in the ACC, and maybe they had to do it, but they're but nobody is sitting there growing up as a big BC fan. Syracuse football, right? Rutgers, we you know we talk about Pitt and West Virginia. These big games they used to play. It's not always better with more money. It's better for your AD, but it's not better for you, the fan. You want a chance to win. If you if if you're you got that, you have that chance. I totally agree. This takes the that takes the Big 12, Pac-12 merger off the table, be crazy to want the other teams, why get in the way? Big 12 is going to be fantastic. With 12 very even schools playing each other. Somebody may emerge, but it is going to be a real battle where you have a real chance to sell something. And I don't know that that's not better if you're, say, Iowa State, and you can sell, hey, look, man, we make the playoffs every once in a while. We're in playoff contention. Yeah. Why are you going to Iowa, which never is? Mm-hmm. I'm not going to say Iowa never is, mm-hmm. but you know what I mean, right? Yep. Yeah. Can you sell the excitement of those late season games? And then one more quick point, Pat. On the flip, why would SEC, and this is I talked to some different people in the Big Big Ten particularly, we don't want any more teams. I don't need any more teams crowding in. It's going to be hard enough for us to make it. I need to add, yeah, okay. Notre Dame wants to come. That's we're going to do that. But if I'm the mid-level to low-level Big Ten team, I don't need more traffic in front of me. I need less. So why? What is my motivation? And it's not. Oh, you can get two million more a year based on. TV revenue by adding org. Hell, I'm just, I just got, I'm being given like 40, 50 more million a year in my budget. The hell am I going to do with that? I don't need a couple million more. What I need is a chance to win and sell out my stadium. So I think this thing really tamps down on it. I wish they had done it sooner. I've been arguing this for 15 years, but they didn't. But I think now is the thing. Go ahead, Pat.
2: Yeah, no, I mean- You do wonder if this had gotten done in February. Are USC and UCLA still staying in the Pac-12? Maybe not, but it would have given them something else to think about. That's for sure. Uh, To me, it's an absolute game changer for those schools that, you know, look, Oregon and Washington belong in a Pacific Conference, okay? Okay. If you can stay there, if you can do that as opposed to dragging your teams all the way across the country to play in a league that makes no geographic sense, no traditional sense, and is harder competitively, why why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you do that? If if the money is so vastly different, okay, you have to consider it. But everything about it, if you for once want to do what the fans, what's best for the fans, and what the fans want. If if you want a chance to win games to uh, create a power program as opposed to well yeah we can go to the Big Ten and you know probably go seven and five eight and four and play Illinois and Minnesota I I mean how exciting is that for Oregon and for Washington Stay where you are try to dominate that league and yeah to Ross's point if you're you this should much lessen the interest in a uh, a lateral move, basically, from Arizona, Arizona State, Colorado, Utah, to the Big 12. It gives every every league a chance, I think, to, to yeah. absolutely maximize what they have and keep this thing from going completely off the rails into a power-to AFC, NFC with satellite leagues.
0: Yeah, and what, what about the teams we talk about in the ACC who are stuck in that long-term deal and, oh, you know, this team and this this team and that team want to want to get to the SEC, want to get to the Big Ten. Why would you do that now? I mean, especially in the ACC, like if your goal is to get to win championships and uh, advance to some kind of uh, football postseason, you need to stay in the ACC, <laughs> where there's only really been one power in the last eight years, and as we saw last night, that power seems to be uh, a little weakened from, from what it was just a few years ago. So, uh, yeah, this is it. Look, the whole, this whole thing is great. Like everybody should be excited about this. It, it's, it's wonderful. It's awesome. The only thing is it should have happened like a long time ago. Um, and there's only really one flaw, which we talked about last week in which Dan I'm sure will address here in a minute that has to do with the bowls.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'll get to that. Let me bring up Notre Dame. Yep. yep. To me, this, assures Notre Dame going nowhere. Yep. Notre Dame, Jack Swarbrick helped write this thing. Yep. And uh, there's a lot of people don't like Notre Dame and they don't like maybe that Jack Swarbrick has this power, but I've never heard this. Jack Swarbrick is not a smart man. Yep. <laughs> never heard that nope. one. Never heard that one. Nope. nope. Uh, uh, they are going anywhere. If they're good, they're in the playoff. They're in the playoff almost every year under the Brian Kelly standards now. Brian Kelly is a goldmine for Notre Dame. Notre Dame fans hate Brian Kelly. Brian Kelly got your program to the level that made them have the power right now that they are set up forever. And I know he's not a popular guy in South Bend, but he should be. Because what he did was remind everyone that Notre Dame can be good. And if they they only lose one game a year, they're in the playoff, they're undefeated or even with one loss, they are probably hosting huge for Notre Dame as a university, as a football program at, at South Bend, Indiana, all those things. Uh, there is no reason for Notre Dame to go anywhere. Presuming an NBC deal comes in at a nice rate, which the way money's getting flowing around, you would expect it. Yeah. Uh, and the amount that they just spent to get the third tier Big Ten game each week, uh, you're going to, Notre Dame is going to have the money. They're going to have a close enough in revenue that they can make it up easy with all their alums and all their other options. They have access to the playoff. They have access to recruits. They have the whole thing. They have a great setup with the ACC. Now, I have heard, the will the Big Ten get together and say, none of our teams will play you, or something like that? Okay, they play USC every yeah. year. USC doesn't they'll want be any fine. of that, by the way. But they'll, they've will they got five ACC games, Stanford and Navy, every year, and they play at USC every year. Yep. That's their conference. Yeah. They have a conference. That's eight games a year. And then they play four more. They'll get games because whenever Notre Dame comes to town, it's the biggest damn thing. Yeah. And it just is. And so everybody wants to play them. They are not joining a league. The Big Ten isn't doing that. Even if they did, okay, we don't need to play you guys. But you saw the scene. This is Ohio State. This is not some fledgling little operation. Irish are coming to town. People were excited for years. Yes. And created this. It was one of the biggest games. And only probably the only thing bigger is, uh, you know, the 1-2 the Michigan game when, like, Bo Schembechler died the night before. <laughs> like, I mean, it's Ohio Stadium. And mm-hmm. the place was, like, out of control. Yeah. So I say Notre Dame's going zero places. And that also... Bodes well for, I think, a calmness Slowest to settle over down. the sport, yeah. which I think everybody wants.
2: Yeah, yeah, no, stability. Like,
1: yeah, stability. That's a good term. Jack,
2: Jack Swarbrick's sixty-eight years old, he's you know, uh, I he's got a lot of energy. He's probably you know could do this for quite a while longer. But if he chooses to retire at some point, and his legacy is. I kept Notre Dame true to Notre Dame as an independent team. We reestablished quality football. And as an ancillary benefit, we might have just stopped the complete ruination via realignment of the entire sport. That's a pretty good legacy.
1: That would be pretty good. Not bad. Not bad. Yeah. You got to remember before Brian Kelly got hired, it was all Notre Dame will never be good again. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I believe Sports Illustrated had stories like that. They'll never be good again. They can never compete. Brian Kelly got them to compete at a very high level. They're a good program. They're not top four, but they're top 10. And now, can you can can Marcus Freeman take them next? Can, can anybody? I don't know. But they are their independence is secure as far as I can see. There is no motivation to jump up. And it, when they get in that playoff and they get a share of the playoff revenue, they ain't splitting it. Yep. <laughs> no, they're yep.
0: Not. That's right. That's right. And it, it, speaking of legacies for commissioners, uh, you know, it, it, the the working group that came up with this that spent basically two years at creating this proposal. There's three of four guys on that group, and maybe all four that this will be, like, the biggest part of their— this will be the biggest thing of their legacy. I mean, Bob Bolsby, who's now retired, and he retired going out with this in Swarbuck, as you guys mentioned, and Craig Thompson, uh, who himself yeah. is, you know, Good probably, point. I think, in his mid-60s, I would, uh, I would assume, and probably not long before you would think that— uh, he will go the way that bob bob did uh, the mountain west commissioner and then of course greg sankey's the fourth one on there i mean he'll have a lot of other things probably cuz he's he's not to that age yet but he'll probably have another thing is on his on his legacy over the next 5 to 10 years but um but it it's it's a proposal that you know these guys worked on for 2 years in uh in complete secrecy uh, and uh, and then <laughs> and then it dragged out Fifteen more months, but uh, lo and behold, it passes, and it is—it's a legacy type of thing for them.
1: Yeah, they uh, huge. Let me just say for Thompson, that yeah. guy's fought for twenty years to save that league, to save the Mountain West. He saved it. Yeah. Yep, it he has been relentless, and and part—you know—much of that was obviously for selfish reasons. They needed bigger. You know, he's there. they ha- back back then. They had. TCU and Utah, an undefeated Utah team with Urban Meyer and Alex Smith, right? And they're fighting for access. He fought fought and fought and fought and fought and fought and won. So, tremendous job by Craig Thompson on that. Yeah. I mean, talk about a tough job being
2: a commissioner of one of those level leagues as this realignment thing has played out. But also, some props here to Sankey, who helped drive this thing forward, was incredibly frustrated when it was roadblocked threatened to take the 12-team format off the table and say the SEC won't support that. We'll go with four. We'll we'll stay with four. Maybe we'll go with eight. That's only going to benefit us. But then at the end, it's like, okay, we're going to do this. And guess what? It's going to be good for everybody. It's not just going to be good for us. And one thing we have not seen very much in college athletics is let's do something that's good for everybody. Mostly it's all just let's take care of ourselves, and the SEC has certainly done that when it added Texas and Oklahoma, but I thought this was a move for the betterment of the whole college athletic enterprise, and the SEC was on board with it even though they will not be the biggest beneficiary from it
0: yeah yeah yep he gets he gets credit for that absolutely and in uh, you know he he did he he suggested I think he was so frustrated and angry over the spring and summer that a few Few times publicly, right? He suggested that, oh, maybe he might, maybe he might not compromise like he did last year, and maybe, you know, we'll uh, we'll take the 12 team off the table, and maybe it'll have to be just eight at large, or or just stay at four. And I ran into him on the field before the LSU game uh, in New Orleans before LSU um, played Florida State, and I, I asked him that. I asked him like, why? why did you kind of have a change of heart and why did you decide to compromise? And, um, you know, he he made clear that him and Mississippi State President Mark Keenum, the chair of the, the Board of Presidents, discussed, uh, you know, discussed not compromising, like discussed, as he kind of put it, letting everybody twist in the wind, kind of like they, like we twisted in the wind, referring to the group, you know, the eight that were for the playoff. And uh, ultimately, he decided that, um, you know, that it would be better men of, of college football to compromise. But also, as Pat mentioned, this is good for the SEC, too. I mean, the SEC, once every four years, is going to get half of, you know, in the four-team p- format, once every four years, they get basically two teams in. In the 12-team format, you know, once every four years, they're probably going to get four teams in, uh, I would think. You know, and then in a normal year, they're going to get three. So this is, this is obviously good for the league as well.
1: Yeah, it's, it's good. And, and it's also good for, there's, I think, first off, all the of college sports needs to be happy. that The commissioners were in, there were petty feuds. There was the feet. It was everything that drove us all crazy about this. Nobody was in charge. And finally, the president of all people came in and like snapped everyone to attention and said, do this. And I think part of it is because if you're Mississippi State, Yeah, you're in the SEC, but you don't have a prayer. Now you got a prayer. Yeah, sure. You're not winning the SEC. You never win the SEC. No. But let us in and see what happens. Yeah. They just won the baseball championship because they had a chance. You don't have to be number one all the way, but hey, some of those years they would have got in. When they had Dak Prescott, they would have got in, right? Probably. Oh, yeah,
0: for sure. They would have probably hosted a game. In fact, Keenum who yeah. happens to be the Mississippi State President, right? He he mentioned that in a radio interview he did over the weekend. He mentioned in 2014, you know, State was ranked number one, and they they finished the season on a slide. You know, I think they lost their last three games, including a lost bowl. The Egg bowl, yeah. I think. Yeah. They lost their last two, though, I want to say, in the regular big? season. But at 10-2, and two, they were probably ranked around, like, in between eight, eight and ten or so so they would have been the borderline of of actually of, of getting they certainly would have got in yeah but he even mentioned would have maybe even hosted a game and then that year as well you guys remember Ole Miss was number one for a while I believe that year and they would have probably gotten in too so for the mid to bottom of the SEC for the mid to bottom of the Big Ten this is huge I mean plain and simple it's it's huge for everybody in in I don't
1: think Ole Miss ever got to number one, which is something Uh. Mississippi State, but I may forget. I did cover that Egg Bowl, though. Um, It was a great scene. Searching for NBA playoff coverage? We've got you. The Old Man and the Three, presented by BMW, gives you an inside look into the world of sports. Hosted by former NBA sharpshooter and Duke legend J.J. Redick and sports writer Tommy Alter, The Old Man and the Three offers unprecedented access to the league. Tommy and JJ discuss the NBA and interview some of the biggest names in the league,
2: like Devin Booker and Luka Doncic. NBA final season is the perfect time to dive in, and
1: you can listen to The Old Man and the Three wherever you get your podcasts. To hear episodes brought to you by BMW. Push the limits this NBA season with the brand that set the ultimate standard. BMW, the ultimate driving machine. What I would say, if you host, and this will get to our next point. If Mississippi State or Mississippi hosts a playoff game, it's the biggest sporting event in the history of Mississippi. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. Yep. Huge. I don't think it's, yeah, I don't think it's even close. Right.
2: Yeah. Ole Miss would have hosted in 2020, right? I'm trying, I might be getting my years confused here. Uh, Sometime they would have hosted recently. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And Even last year, would yeah, la- Last okay. year would have
0: been they would have been close. Yeah. Last year would have been close, yeah. probably. Yeah, they're nine and three or something, maybe. Right. Yeah. They would have been. Yeah. If you're a if you're a if you're a two or three loss SEC team, you're gonna be you're gonna be in, probably, almost certainly you're gonna be in. And then, you know, you're you're gonna be at two losses, you're gonna be pretty close to hosting, you would think.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And that's why games will continue to matter. Hosting will be a huge thing. There are three breaks in this, right? Get in get top eight, get top four. And so there's all sorts of drama on this. And it ha- right now there's almost no benefit to being one or one or two. Because, I mean, I guess you had Cincinnati, Cincinnati any better than Michigan last year. I don't know. But like generally you have to play it. You get to number one. Congratulations. Your reward is nothing. Yeah, right. You, you're on a neutral site against a te- another team that's really good. Getting one and saying, hey, we're going to play the eight team and being four and you got to play number five on a neutral site a big difference. Getting a home game is a big difference. So um, go ahead, Pat, on on, on home games, on, on the value of the home game, I guess.
2: Yeah, I mean, for places like Mississippi, uh, you know, Ole Miss, Waco, Baylor, you know, Oklahoma State, are you kidding? You get a playoff game in your stadium, total showcase, it's the biggest thing to hit that town that's ever happened. Uh, and it's just, it's such an energy force. It's a recruiting force. It's an academic recruiting force. Uh, you just have so much going for you right then and there to be able to sell yourself and to, and to have all these people come to your small college town who otherwise might not. Uh, it's, it's just a huge opportunity
1: millions and millions of dollars
0: well just look at last year you know it gets it gets me excited just looking at the last several years and what playoffs would have looked like i mean that kind of thing is really exciting to me and and i think you would look at you know uh if you look at the ap poll uh, i'm just using the ap poll before after the championship games right you know five notre dame hosts 12 byu really really fun cool game right that's an interesting game too from from religious perspectives as well um and then and then uh so uh, uh it's actually
1: a di- little different cuz georgia would not have gotten... oh that's gotten right
0: that's right yeah 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 i'm not even i'll give it I'm, i'll give it to give, you give it give it to me yeah cuz i forgot about aq georgia
1: host georgia host Pitt would have been 5 12 notre dame would be 6 they would host utah is that right? Seven would be Ohio State would host Michigan State. Yeah. Winner plays at Michigan. Or no, they're not. That's the problem. They've not gone. <laughs> okay. Baylor would play. I think I screwed this up. Oh, I I got it messed up somehow. Ohio State would play Michigan State, and then where's? All right, I got too many teams. <laughs> oh, oh wait. Oh, Baylor would have moved up. Old Miss would Yeah, yeah Baylor's like the fourth. Yeah, right, that was it. Yes. Yeah, because Baylor Miss, would yeah. move up. Yeah, yeah. 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 Right. So yeah. Baylor goes all the way to a bye. Yeah. Um. Anyway, it, these are a gazillion dollars to these things. I, like, I, I mean, we did this a long time ago in these stories and death to the BCS, but they would brag about how much economic impact it'd be in Glendale, Arizona. And I'd be like, why is anyone in Ohio mm-hmm. excited about this? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> if I'm the governor of Ohio. I'm like, wait, oh, what happened? Okay. How about, uh, yeah, economic impact in, in Oxford, Mississippi. Columbus. Right?
2: Yeah.
1: What if we host two of these games? Mm-hmm. What if we host three? Yeah. Like when they, if they, they're eventually going to get it. So why are we doing second round on neutral site? Okay. So I did talk to a bunch of people and the feeling is their coaches are so control freaked. They'd rather play every game neutral site. One guy said, my coach would play every game neutral site, never wants to go on the road.
0: (laughs) They would would take a neutral site game over a, I guess, the risk of potentially hosting a game. potentially hosting a game, yeah.
1: The risk of going to Alabama Mm -hmm. and playing at Alabama or at Ohio State in the snow. Or uh, they would rather just play them all neutral like basketball. You know, like – Kentucky almost never plays on the road anymore. They just play these neutral side games because Cal Par is like, it's better for recruiting. I don't get, you know, and he's, he's not wrong. Yeah. He's just, it's not very exciting. It's Not very fun (laughs) for his fans, but why do they matter? It's not very fun for his fans. And it's not very fun for the sport when you go, boy, I'd rather you had a home and home with Duke. That would be freaking awesome. Instead. It's like, we'll play him at the Barclays center. Mm -hmm. Uh, Okay. Right. (laughs) So that, but that's how they look at it. So these guys are like, screw it, we'll just take neutral sites all the time. I don't want to play home games. Some sports in college athletics are like that, right? Basketball is one. The entire tournament, the conference tournaments, everything's neutral site. But baseball has them on campus till so the finals. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, women's basketball, is some. You know, I prefer the home game all the way. But th- so that's part of it. Now I think there's two things. One. The excitement of the first round is going to be so big, and the benefit you're going to get hosting that first game, the other schools are going to say, why not us? Right. Yeah. Yeah. And there's one wrinkle you could do to change the mentality of the coaches right now. Allow home playoff teams to host recruits. Oh. They are obsessed with recruit, right? Uh, Kirby Smart wants to end the world's largest outdoor cocktail party <laughs> in Jacksonville against Florida because he can't host recruits at it. Right. Because if you're off campus, you can't host recruits. Or even if you are hosting, I, I'm not sure what the arcane rule is. It's not the same because you're not on campus, right? If you let five through eight host recruits, this thing will go, boom, yep. bulls are out. Yep, yeah nick saban and 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 kirby smart i don't even know if they oppose this or don't I, i'm not saying but every coach's head will blow i, I nick saban complains when like well the, the open uh visitation period started today and i gotta play a national championship game this is putting us behind right you know yep <laughs> i guess winning the title will probably make up for that um that would be it but Right now, that is more than the cronyism of the Bulls. Okay, but they're 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 entrenched, but they're living off coach fear. I think. Yeah, that's my theory. Anyone else can call me to tell me my theory is wrong. (laughs) Uh, The ads, but that's that's what I've been hearing is basically our coach. The best line: our coach play every game neutral site. Never ever (laughs) want to go on the road.
2: That's so classic, and and you (laughs) see it in the scheduling, right? I mean, if if schools can schedule eight home games, they will. Yeah. In basketball, oh, yeah. if they can schedule 20 home games, they will,
1: you know. All oh, right. Uh, Jim Boeheims, I mean, his entire, like, he just sits up in Syracuse for the yeah. first two months. Maybe he goes down to MSG for one game. Right. Yeah, because yeah. he wants some good food. Gets down to <laughs> New York, and that's it. Oh, that, what, road game? What is this?
0: <laughs> I uh, the guy's, like, uh, the
1: guy's got a thousand wins. He's, <laughs> don't tell me he's not smart.
0: Dan, okay, I've, I've – I've, uh, sorry, Pat, I, fa- I have finally found it. I found it. I know last year after the championship games, I had reconstructed the bracket and how it would look. So, yeah, like number five seed Georgia would host Pitt. Number eight seed Ole Miss would ho- host Oklahoma State, which would be awesome. Uh, number seven, Ohio State would host Mich- 10, Michigan State, like you mentioned. Number six, Notre Dame, host 11, Utah, which also a really interesting matchup. So And then the top four would be one Alabama, two Michigan three Cincinnati and, and four Baylor. So I uh, just thought... And
1: we would have gotten home playoff games at between the Hedges, under the Golden Dome, at the Horseshoe, and the Grove. In the Grove,
2: baby. Yeah, that wouldn't yep. be any good. That wouldn't be any good. <laughs> Uh, much rather have those teams playing without their best players
0: in you know the peach bowl what
1: about the sanctity of the alamo bowl
0: (laughs) (laughs) the thing to watch dan you're not you're not going to want to know this right the thing to watch to really keep an eye on is you're going to have mid-level to maybe upper tier bowls that aren't you know the cfp bowls they are going to fight to try to get the first round games and it'll be interesting to watch and it's something that came up late don't last fall in negotiations in the room. And you're gonna you're gonna have a fight with the even one of the commissioners mentioned to me recently. Watch what he just I don't know why he, he used the Music City Bowl, but he did. He said, watch how many calls we'll get from the Music City Bowl. You know, we want to host a first round game sort of thing. So keep an eye on Gator Bowl, all those those tier Alamo Bowl um What else would be in that mix? Uh, It'd be a you know, disaster.
1: Yeah. It'd just be the stupidest thing ever, and just don't
2: do it. No. I mean, come on. You you're just you're adding travel and expense for your fans and your
1: team. Don't do it. Yeah, don't do it. It's just stupid. It's stupid. You're about to break free. This is your chance. This is your chance. <laughs> that that weekend right there. We're going live from Notre Dame over to Ohio State under the lights. I mean, come on. This is going to be such a great weekend of football. The other bowls will continue. These bowls, I've said all along, you want to close your bowl down? I'll buy it. No one's ever taken me up on this (laughs) offer. They can't lose money. They're welfare bowls. They exist because the conferences share revenue and pay all the expenses. You charge for tickets you can't sell. You charge the band to perform. You charge overpriced hotel rooms for the teams to stay in. They all make money. Yeah. They don't pay taxes somehow. <laughs> <laughs> They're unbelievable business deals. They're all 501c3s. It's just ridiculous. You And guess what? You still get two and a half million people to watch the New Mexico Bowl. Yes, you do. Because they want to gamble. There's no. There's no game. If there's one game on, you're going to get a rating. Yeah. And sports wagering is increasing. Your bowl industry will be fine. I don't care about you anyway. I did that. They used to have like an NFL. It's like it's like trying to fight for the sanctity of the fourth NFL preseason game. <laughs> we lost the game. Like is anyone crying about that? Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, this is going to be great. That is going to be a small thing, but I, it will go away by the next one. Yeah. I, I guess they'll be hard to beat the semis. I think they'll always be playing the Rose Bowl. It's yeah, fine. That's fine. That's fine. But, yeah. man, is it going to be fun watching those games? And these coaches are going to go. They're showcasing their home stadium to a 10 million, 15 million person audience. These playoff games will get big because they will be exclusive.
0: And, mm-hmm. and finally, some of these uh, northern the Big Ten schools have, have seen the light, you know, and uh, there was a clause put in, and it was a compromise last fall from commissioners, where if you're the hot, you know, the better seated team gets to decide in the first round if they want to be home or if they want to go to some neutral site. And that was put in there because Kevin Warren in the room argued for his northern kind of cold weather type schools to be able to move their game indoors, their first-round game indoors. And a lot of that was Gene Smith had come out and said, we don't want to play when it's like 20 degrees out here. We want to move like indoors. And now I see Gene Smith and maybe even some other Big Ten uh, ADs have come out and said, wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. Actually, we are going to host these games. Yeah, don't get rid of that, that, that home field advantage, no matter if it's 20 degrees. I thought that was kind of silly always. And a lot of other commissioners, I think, in the room during negotiations last fall, thought it was kind of that silly that – that these stadiums weren't weatherized in that they were be that was being used to delay things. And now we're seeing, you know, that, that really wasn't a real thing and nobody's going to, nobody's, I don't think going to issue the, you know, a home field advantage.
1: I thought that was such an absurd argument. It just didn't make sense to me. <laughs> uh, they, they went with what they were told. I swear. Like there was a guy, Harvey Perlman, who was the oh, yeah. chancellor at Nebraska. Yep obviously very smart guy right and he had these quotes about how you know we, we can't do this to the bowl industry and then he had this quote and i i'm gonna i'm gonna get it a little wrong He said nobody would want to play a playoff game at uh in lincoln nebraska that was his saying and he said it and we wrote a whole chapter we ripped the crap out of him <laughs> like repeatedly so much so i had a book signing at Nebraska's bookstore on a game day (laughs) in Lincoln and Harvey Perlman to his credit showed up (laughs) at the book signing at the bookstore to basically confront me and yell at me (laughs) and argue with me over this. And, but his line was, nobody wants, I'm like, everybody would want this. Every Nebraska fan would want this. Yeah. You tell your fans, Hey, would you rather play here or do you want to travel
2: halfway across the country to Arizona and spend a fortune uh, and do it there?
1: Like you kidding me? No. Yeah, you get you get you get the advantage of the cold weather, the home. Nebraska sucks. Their football and game day environment is unbelievably awesome. Yeah. Like nobody. I bet your hoteler would like it. I bet all the people in Lincoln would like it. I bet like everything. Right. But he did show up, and then to his credit, he actually. So he comes to basically yell at me, and uh, we have a discussion <laughs> <laughs> at the book signing. And then, to his credit, he bought a book. Ah. <laughs> <There you go. laughs> Cha-ching! And I I, I, I love Harvey Perlman for that. Um, he bought a damn book. You'll, you'll take getting yelled and at if it he means left. a sale, right? Oh, hey, yell at me all you want, man. I'm trying to put my kids through college. <laughs> Thank you. No, it was it was hysterical. He shows up. He's like, "I'm Harvey Perlman. You uh, ripped me in this chapter eight. I'm a, uh, everyone gets ripped, Harvey, man." Uh, <laughs> Don't say Nebraska. Look, I go, look at it. We got, it was pretty funny. Anyway, got the, he did buy a book. So uh, that to me meant more Harvey's all right. In my book, it was a terrible, he had a terrible opinion on this. I just didn't make it. But that used to be the mentality. Why would anyone want to play up here? We should play down in uh, Florida. Like what? Yeah. How about all your fans going? This is great. How about the caterer? How about the, the dude who's got a house nearby and parking, you know, and I can charge a hundred bucks a car. Now it's a playoff game. Yeah. Biggest thing to ever happen in Nebraska, be a a, a Corn Husker playoff game. Anyway, uh, we're on our way, and I just think this is going to be the underlying uh, the next few years. It's really going to go down um, as a as like pre pre expanded playoff and post expanded playoff, right? Yeah, and there's so many changes and uh. Well, what, or one other, because this is gone. Oh, go yeah. ahead, Pat. No, the one other thing that's going to be a change
2: out of this. If Jim Harbaugh gets his way, and I hope he does because it makes Uh, sense. Revenue sharing for the players. You've just found this new geyser of money. Let's direct some. Let's have a postseason share just like there is in pro sports. You make the postseason, the players get a share. They get a bonus, right? They get some of the money. You do this, it takes a little bit of pressure off of your boosters and your AD and everybody else to come up with the, the NIL and collective money if your team's making the playoff. conceivably, theoretically, right? And secondly, it's simply fair, okay? You're bringing in all this new money. How about let the players have a little bit of it? You don't have to give them all of it. They certainly would never do that. But they get a chance to get it, and also your Olympic sports get a little chance to get it too. If it trickles down that far, if you resist giving a $2 million a year raise to your coach and six more years on his contract and a 43rd analyst, Maybe the Olympic sports can also get some of this money, too.
1: You want to pay the Olympic sports now? As we, now, we're going to get
2: into that? <laughs> yeah.
0: you going
1: to pay the Olympic sports. Yeah. No, we're going to uh, simply help them survive, Dan. We're going to simply them help upload. them fund scholarships. Oh, you don't want to pay the Olympic sport No, athletes, no, though. no, no, no. Okay, thank you. No, 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 right. no, not no, no, that, no, 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 no. Good no. Lord. No, I'm not saying that. Uh, I'm saying right.
2: help them survive this so gonna, we this don't gonna have going to be a listen. knockout. Drag out right here. We don't have to listen to the athletic director say. Well, we just we're, we're spread, so, we're uh, spread yeah, so thin. Michigan
1: State, bring your damn swimming program back, and you know, yeah. would you? You got enough money now for your swim? Can you fill the pool with water?
0: <laughs> Nine and a half million dollars for the head coach. <laughs>
1: yeah,
0: but can't uh, no. Can't uh, fix yeah, the they're they're
1: going to make more.
0: The revenue sharing is a big piece, I, and it was asked. You know, Bill Hancock was asked about it, and he actually, to his credit, he. he opened up and said, you know, we've had serious discussions about that in the room. And I think on the conference level, there has been a lot of discussions about that happening. And it does feel like we're inching closer. I think college, this is a whole other discussion, but really quickly, I think college football is trying to figure out how to get ahead of revenue sharing and athlete employment before they get behind it like they did in IL.
1: <laughs> I, I will, I, I'm willing to change as this goes on and we see, but I am not not all in favor of that. I think when you offered the opportunity of this stage to make money for these athletes through their NIL, now that you are no longer telling them they can't make money, that to me is enough on an ethical basis. You don't necessarily have to pay the players uh this. And I am a staunch, decades long proponent of player rights and compensation, but This is a Pandora's box that I don't know will actually help the football players that much because they're going to go down Pat's route and every single uh, Olympic sport athlete is going to end up with an equal share somehow. That's not my route. That's not my route. Not my route. But whatever. (laughs) Once you open that. Yeah. And most of those Olympic sport athletes come from upper middle class families who spent hundreds of thousands of dollars chasing uh, travel sports and all that stuff. Stereotyping. They they don't necessarily... (laughs) I got, so I am fine. What did he say? Uh, Stereotyping. This is, bad, this is
0: the best pot yet ever. I want to stereotype. Joined. I like this knockout oh, yeah. dragout, baby. Uh, yeah. We're just getting started. Yeah, there you go. Just getting
1: started. <laughs> All right. It's a- Let's get to knockout dragout. Playoff. This is going to go long today. Whatever. They dropped the damn. Couldn't <laughs> have done this in June. Our ratings could have used them. Help. No. <laughs> Goddamn hate these people. What the hell? It was
0: supposed to come in the summer of 2020. Blame the pandemic. They
1: had so many chances to
2: drop this at an opportune time for the podcast. Instead, they did it when they Think did Think of it. us.
1: Think yeah. of us, your humble college football inquirer. <laughs> All right. Knockout, drag out. How long's Brian Kelly got before kelly.com really starts? <laughs> Ross, you were there.
0: Yes, <laughs> just a mess. I mean, uh, you know, the ending kind of uh, took away from uh, – just how much of a mess LSU looked uh, in that football game. And, and yes, you know, Florida state did a lot of great things, but I don't know that anybody thinks that Florida state is at the end of the year, going to be a 10 and two or 11 and one team or something. Um, Maybe they will, I guess we'll see in about three months, but um, I think LSU is just a mess from, from its uh, offensive line play, which was a disaster. They couldn't run block. They couldn't pass prop block. Jane Daniels had a takeoff running, you know, multiple times. I mean, it seemed like every time he dropped back, and sometimes he had the happy feet, but most of the time he was running from uh, somebody who was about to maul him. Uh, so uh, the offense looked terrible. You know, they're they're maybe the best receiver in the nation, Keishawn Butte. I don't exactly know what's going on with him. You know, he he uh, he just looked a little uninspired. He dropped two or three passes, a couple in the end zone, um, and then you know LSU special teams was a disaster obviously, uh, two muffed punts, a uh, field goal block, an extra point block, and everything the coaches did. And, and credit Brian Kelly, right? He stood at the podium after the game. Uh, and I was right there in front of him. And he he realizes, uh, I think he's, you know, a smart man. I think he realizes he makes a lot of money uh, to win football games and not lose them like that. And he blamed, himself and he blamed the coaching staff on poor decisions specifically with special teams. You know, number one, picked the back, the, picked the wrong punt returner. Number two, made a change to the left side of the line on, on the uh, field goal team after the field goal block and the extra point was blocked from the left side of the line. So obviously didn't do enough there. So uh, it, it really was <laughs> a disastrous performance uh, and they probably shouldn't have been uh, even close that game, and I think they were close for two reasons. One, LSU is still really talented and has really good players. And number two, Florida State probably you wouldn't think is going to be some world beater.
2: Well, and Florida State just absolutely at the end of the game said, we do not want to put this away. We want to give you another chance, LSU. Please, by all means, we will not take a knee three times and kick the field goal to go up two scores with less than two minutes to play. no. We're going to throw a pitch down here at the goal line, and we're going to drop it, and we're going to give you that chance, and then we're going to go into a ruinous prevent defense and just let you go bip, 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 bip right down the field and score the touchdown, and then, then we finally get it together and block the extra point. But like Mike Norvell has struggled there. And there are signs it's getting better. But if you go back to the way they lost to Jacksonville State last year with just incomprehensibly bad defense that gave up a bomb on the last play and lost to an FCS school, and then the way they tried to lose this game, holy moly, his in game decision making. It's like you got to win the game. That's the only thing win the game. Don't worry, we got to score a touchdown. We got to make a statement here. No, you win the game, take a knee three times, kick the field goal, take a 10 point lead. It's over. So, I mean, for all of the LSU dysfunction, and there was a lot of that, uh, what FSU did to try to lose the game
1: overshadowed an otherwise pretty exciting uh, opener for them. Well, it was a lot of fun to watch if you were just watching. If you were one of these two teams, it was like a win and a loss and a loss and a win. And yeah, I, I agree. Um, lot made of Brian, he's, they're going to be fine. Brian, I I maintain my faith that Brian Kelly knows how to coach football based on his entire career. (laughs) Uh, but he is in a different spot and, uh, games happen. So I'm not going to write him off on year one. No, I will. Again, game
2: game one one of year one, I will say, and Ross knows this, like LSU fans will wheel on you as fast as any in the country. And so they may. They may not say fire him, but boy, they're going to come out and come blazing well, they'll with say it soon.
1: Yeah, <laughs> they did their guy Coach O dirty. I mean, you can't be more Louisiana they, than Coach O. They nuked Coach O. I'll, I'll never forget
2: being down there for a Kentucky football game in the late nineties and how mummy and Kentucky was pretty good. Tim Couch was a quarterback, and they won like thirty-seven to thirty-five. And listening to the post-game call-in, <laughs> it was the most vicious post-game call-in I'd ever heard. I mean, just. One color after another, just ripping the hell out of LSU it was like, whoa
0: and it didn't take long. Don't like that stuff. It didn't take long. as you mentioned, game one of season one for LSU fans to turn right and start talking about Billy Napier in in the coaching <laughs> cycle last year. it was very quick and obviously Billy had this huge win uh, against Utah and Brian Kelly had this awful loss where they looked miserable. And immediately it turned to that because though if those listening don't know, you know, Billy Napier, I think it can be described as he was very interested in the LSU job. And he was about an hour away at Lafayette and had a lot of success there. And LSU did not interview him, uh, kind of let him let him go and leave the state. So that will be a comparison. We'll see. This won't be the last time of that.
1: They went big game hunting on that. Yeah, it's going to be good. All right, also uh upset fan base, Clemson. They win 41 to 10 over Georgia Tech, but it was 14-3 at the half and kind of deep into the it's 14-10 deep yeah. into the the second quarter. Third quarter. Third quarter. Yeah, yeah. And Georgia, no one thinks Georgia Tech's good, including Georgia Tech. <laughs> <laughs> uh the issue, uh DJ Ungolay, not great at all early, to put it nicely. I thought when he made the little, he was basically in the grasp and he made the little shovel pass to Will Shipley, which was a dangerous play on a third down. Uh, Shipley ran for the first. He kind of got into a groove and then things really opened up. That kind of broke Georgia Tech's back. But late in the game, Cade Klubnik comes in, five-star uh, recruit, top 10 quarterback out of Texas, another kid from Austin. Um, so many good quarterbacks in Austin. It's crazy. Uh, he comes in, and look, it's a it's a tired Georgia Tech team, but you can see some zip on this ball. And we got a quarterback controversy, I guess. I don't think William Christopher is going to do a whole lot of movement, but he has had this in the past when Deshaun Watson came along and when Trevor Lawrence came along. He famously has gone with the talented player, obviously made two good choices on, uh, on that. Um, they've got a couple games. They got Furman and some, you know, some easy games but then they have a, a wake forest nc state back to back starting in a couple weeks so i i think we're going to see a lot of cade and we're going to get our chance i don't know what thoughts on the, the qb derby in clemson if there is one pat um oh there is one
2: uh the fans absolutely think there's one we'll see how long it takes Dabo to Acknowledge that there is one. He and while look, he did give way to Trevor Lawrence over Kelly Bryant when Trevor was a freshman. It it took a few games, you know, and and Dabo was a little bit stubborn there. DJ is popular. He's a really nice young man. He was not good last year. He was incrementally better than that against Georgia Tech, but not a lot, I didn't think. I didn't see some dramatic transformation. He ran it a little bit more with more authority. Like, you know, he he sought contact and won some contact, which he was a bad runner last year. Uh, He did make a couple of nice plays, but also two of those scoring drives, one was five yards and one was 15. They blocked punts, I mean – Clemson's special teams were lights out. Their defense is lights out. So, yeah, I'm not sure you need a great quarterback to win the ACC. You could you could stick with DJ Uyunglele and win a lot of games. But what Klubnick showed when he got his chance, wow, that ball popped out of the hand. Uh, he was fast in his movements and his decision-making. Uh, he threw downfield. You know They made some bigger plays, and yeah, it's the end of the game. It's a little bit garbage time, but boy, did the fans, they, I mean, you heard the roars when he came in the game, and then when he made those plays uh, from the Clemson fans there, they want to see a change, so this is going to be a very interesting situation for Dabo to manage, and he is he is stubborn. He doesn't like to be pushed into anything or told what to do, so uh, he's not going to let fan sentiment decide this, but play on the field may decide it, may decide it relatively soon
0: stubborn and, and loyal to his guys, right? Like, he's been that. Like, he has always preached that, like, loyalty. And he did it again last night I saw in the post game, Like, he is loyal to his guys. And it's going to take a lot for him to make that, make that change if it does happen. I'll say this. Uh, as you mentioned, DJ did run the ball a lot better. And they seem to use him more. It, that seemed to be part of the game plan was using him more as a runner. Maybe we see that two-quarterback thing, you know, where he is used as this this runner more, and they bring in Klubnik to, to 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 get him more down the field. Um, but I will say this: DJ's receivers at times really did not help him out. There were there were some there were some misses as well. It reminded me of like some of the things in the LSU game where uh, Jaden's receivers didn't help him out. So got to catch the ball if it's in your midst. And there was a few that probably should have been caught. But uh, they've got what got two weeks to figure it out before they start kind of launching into. Um, a stretch of conference games.
1: Was 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 uh, Coach Sweeney loyal to Kelly Bryant? He mm. was, I mean, mm. he, 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 yeah. he, he leads him to the playoffs in 2017, leads him to the ACC Championship game, and obviously made the right call. I'm not saying this, yeah. but 2018, for, for a couple weeks in, Trevor Lawrence, the new starting QB. And Bryant had to transfer as a big soap opera. I, I don't think, I don't think that Dabo is that, he's not, he's not dumb. So yeah. yeah, he's loyal, but like, I mean, he loved Kelly Bryant. Everyone loved Kelly Bryant, but if you got Trevor Lawrence, I mean, <laughs> you better be playing him and we don't know, maybe, maybe this is the same situation. So I don't think it's going to be, you I know he's kind of a stick in the mud and all that, but I think he also knows, if you earn it, you're going to get this job. And I, Trevor Lawrence learned it, and it was a good. It was a good call. Yeah, It so went on to win the national title. He still he gave Kelly Bryant four games and
2: at least three starts, maybe four starts that in 2018. It took a little yeah, bit. I don't think
0: it's going to happen it, this year. It, it took but the rock it, and the yeah, he had to rock the old the old soda machine back and forth.
1: Yeah, <laughs> I don't think it's going to be this week. But yeah. I I think he'll make the right call if that's the right call. Um, he certainly Kelly Bryant has a better track record than DJ Ungo. Yeah. So um, yeah. we'll see uh, where we go with that. All right, look, this has gone long. We were going to get to some other things. We are going to have the race of the case later this week. We are going to talk a lot of Alabama, Texas in that game. We're going to talk Pitt and Tennessee. Some of the games going into week two, week one was, uh, and then the playoff thing, just, you know, it's kind of, kind of jammed us up. Normally on the Tuesday show, we, we kind of preview the upcoming week, but um, we're going to get to more of that. In the race of the case, but I do have one thing we need to discuss, and it does involve the Texas Longhorns. Uh, we have to do this People's Court, it's a very important People's Court, and it comes to us from uh JR the Rebel, who is a uh a uh producer, I believe, on uh what is called Red Dirt Rebel Radio out of Lubbock. Okay. I am getting this wrong. I've listened to a lot of country music up in Lubbock lately. Um he posted a picture on his Twitter that it, it really gave us a, an ethical dilemma. Uh, he has a picture from apparently a grocery store. There's a, there's a little kid in a grocery cart wearing a Texas Longhorn T-shirt and camo uh, looks like, what are those <laughs> camo shorts? Yeah. Absolutely love this kid. <laughs> looks like he's got some dirt on his chin. Like, he's all <laughs> right, right? Behind him is a case of Dr. Pepper. Hopefully not for him. Um, they look like they're in the checkout line of a, of a grocery store. And uh, Jr. the Rebel uh, takes a picture of this kid with his hand kind of in front of it doing the horns down. Horns down. And he says, never too early to let them know where you stand. <laughs> and this kid has this p- priceless look. Go to at Jr. the Rebel. <laughs> Kid's stunned. I don't even know what to describe. (laughs) this whole thing. Kid's
2: like, why is this man doing this to me?
1: Yeah, what is this creepy? His (laughs) dad appears to be behind him buying more Dr. Pepper. I don't know what he's doing back there. Anyway, (laughs) this could all be staged. I don't know. But I have the ethical question for you two here in the people's court. All right. Is it ethical to taunt an 18-month-old or whatever this kid is, two and a half years old, something like that, in a shopping cart with his dad, with the horns down. <laughs> is this hate speech? Is this a hate gesture? Or indeed does Jr. the Rebel have a point and it's never too early to let them know where you stand. <laughs> I have I, Justice Ford. Yeah.
2: My biggest problem is with the case of Dr. Pepper. Like, what the hell is this guy doing? <laughs> I mean, come on. Inspired by the commercials. Yeah, maybe so. Maybe it's a fansville purchase. But no, look, I'm 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 in favor of it. If the kid's gonna wear the shirt, the kid's gonna catch some flack, all right? Sorry, that's Look, right. Kid, get ready. Get ready. You, may, get you on made the choice, child. Yes, yeah, <laughs> that's right. Or your parents made the choice for you, but oh, you're that, gonna have to true. live with that choice, kid. You got the horns on your shirt. People are throwing the horns down at you. I am. I am okay with this microaggression.
0: Okay, I, I am okay as well. But uh, it is funny. I said. I said you made the choice, child. But you're right. The parents probably made the choice. So a uh, child that <laughs> that at some point when he's older he can blame his parents but if you're a parent and you put that on your child um and you have them wear team gear you got to prepare for uh for stuff like that so it's okay it's never it's never too early i i i agree with old jr
1: I mean if the kid didn't want to get the horns down he would have got himself born into a red Raver family <laughs>
0: That's right. right. His fault.
1: Especially in Lubbock, especially as you leave for the SEC, no mercy. That's right. You could have no mercy. That's because you know what this little kid's gonna grow up to big kid that's right he's gonna be a big texas longhorn fan be a- So you got to put him in his place every time and as this kid's traumatized by like my childhood they just kept flashing this weird symbol at me and like middle-aged radio producers are mad at me <laughs> from red dirt radio i i think we have a unanim- unanimous decision here we do sorry about your Indeed. therapy kid JR the rebel you are okay in our book it was proper use he's uh, also known his his bio on twitter is beard grower and used cat owner
0: oh <laughs> used cat i don't i don't even want to know i don't want, no. i don't want an explanation on that
1: <laughs> do not thank you never too early to let them know where you stand horns down all right we'll talk it up on uh on the race for the case so check us out on that one Thanks for the uh, handle and do the long pod. Talk to you later.